All right, well, good morning, Ascent. Uh, I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. I would be wearing my Gonzaga, uh, all my Gonzaga gear, but it burned in the fire, so I don't have any. I, have the, I, have, I know, I know. Give me that kind of, oh, that's too bad. I'm going to write to Gonzaga. I'm going to tell them my story, so I'm going to see if they might give me a free T-shirt or something to wear. Um, but welcome to Ascent, you guys. It is really fun to, to have all you guys here. Um, you know, like Aisha said, we want to continue to stay in the heart of all the stuff that's been going on with the Marshall Fire. And, and uh, one day, one step, right? That's what we keep saying. One day at a time, one step at a time. Whether you've been displaced or whether you're dealing with smoke remediation issues or you're dealing with a, uh, a company that's charging way more than your insurance will cover for it or you're dealing with a, a home that was burned down. And, you know, Aisha says we're working, we're using the word household. And you guys know we call it a household in our, in our, in our area. It's just a household right now for us. And, and that's actually something we're looking forward to is to make it more of just a hole and the debris removal would happen. And, and and, uh, and we could start actually rebuilding. Um, I, I've tried, I've tried since the fire happened, I've tried to represent as much as I can um, the, the stories uh, of not only those that have been displaced and stuff, but especially for those that have lost their homes. Um, because I know that it's hard. It's hard for you to even know what are they going through right now. And so I've, I've over, the, over time, um, I, I've tried to at least share some of that with you. I hope that doesn't come across as depressing and you're going, oh, great, Bill's back up here again to depress us with what's going on with people in their, their homes. I hope that it's more of just you're getting to understand the story. That's part of what ascent for the eight years that we've been here in existence, we've just said, man, enter into people's stories. Don't just have a come to your own conclusion or don't just stay away from it or keep it arm's distance. Enter into people's stories. So I've been trying to help you to, to see at least the stories um, from those that have, have lost their homes because I know that that's what we can speak to because Jackie and I lost our home um, as part of the 1,100 families that did. Um, um, just a, a, an update for you right now on, on what we're going through. Um, it, it, you'd think, you would think that you're going, okay, well, people, they must be, it must start getting better. And we must be getting into the, into the, into the rebuild phase. But you got to know right now, it's not yet. In fact, they, they did a chart we saw this chart early on of, of the progression. You're going to go through some roller coasters and you're going to have a big old dip. And we're in that big old dip right now where I think everyone that has lost homes are very exhausted with the fight. We have a fight going on every day with somebody. It's a fight with your cable company um, uh, uh, from your, for your rental. It's a, fight with, it's a fight with your insurance adjusters like crazy. You guys, the other day, I told our insurance adjuster, I said, um, we're going we're gonna, to... Um, Itemize, okay? So that means you have to go through every single piece in your house, every little thing that you had, and you have to itemize all that stuff. And so I told him, I said, we're going to itemize. And he says, okay, well, here's what I'm going to need from you. I need to know when you bought it, where you bought it, how much you bought it for, and a picture of it. I said, and this was at 7 in the morning, so I've been up for about four hours at this point. I, I called him. And I said, Frank, let's just say his name is Frank. His name is Frank. Uh, I said, I said, let me get this straight. Um, I'm getting the present day value for this thing, but I've got a 30-year-old sweatshirt that I bought at the University of Washington. You want me to know where I bought that. Okay, I bought it at the UW bookstore. You want to know when I bought it. 
Well, I, I went to UW in 1987. So you want to know when in 1987 I bought my Husky sweatshirt? Well, it was cold in Seattle in about October, so maybe October of 87. You want to know how much I bought it for? $29.99. You want a picture of it? I don't even have a picture of my kid's first birthday party, but you think I'm walking around with a three-ring binder that said, here's my pictures of my sweatshirt from 30 years ago. Now, again, I know some of you are going, well, that's what's called the cloud. We didn't do the cloud, and you know that, and we've already told you that, and I don't want no more lectures about it. I just know that our insanity meters are going off right now. It's, it's just like, this is just insanity. Our, our justice meters are going off right now. And so for any of you that know of somebody that lost their home, just, just and you see them, and they're disheveled, and they haven't showered in three days or whatever, and you just go, man, you should be picking yourself up by now. It's not yet, okay? It's not yet. Now, now, on top of that for me personally, just to vent while I'm up here in the middle of all that's going on, my favorite football player in all of the country, it, do not clap, do not clap, my favorite football player on my favorite team gets traded to my least favorite sports franchise of all time. And now I have to watch number three play for the orange and blue. I told the Lord, I said, God, take my house, but don't take my quarterback. And now I have to sit there and say, I think Drew Locke's okay. I have to say that. I shouldn't say, you might be related to Drew Locke. He's probably a good guy. It's a rough time for us still, so be praying for those of us that lost homes, okay? Um, hey, let's get into what we're talking about today because we have been in a series um, about, about the journey to the cross and, and what we've done for about the last three weeks right up until Easter is, is we've said, well, let's go through um, John's gospel. See, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John set out to write about the life of Jesus, but, but they all kind of took a different route Matthew, Mark, and Luke primarily, they, they, did a, they did start to finish. You know, Matthew did the genealogy at the very beginning and listed all that off. And Luke gave us the narrative that, that we read at Christmas time of Jesus in the manger. And, and they went all through all of it. And all three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, 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 there's parables in there that Jesus shared, the stories that he shared to help people to understand. Well, John did it different. It's as if John sat there years later and said, I can't get past the cross. I can't get past the resurrection. It was so powerful and it means so much in the transforming work of the cross. It means so much to each one of us that that's, it seems like that's all I can get to. And so really over half of John's gospel is spent in the last four or five days or even less of Jesus' life. He just goes, man, so much happened in those days. And you need, to, you need to see what Jesus valued in those days. And you need to hear what Jesus was saying in those days as he, as he bent over and he washed his disciples' feet and as he, as he talked to his disciples about, the, about what's about to happen. He's going, man, you got to hear that. It's that important. In fact, even the 10 chapters before he gets into that, He's talking, all the rest of the stories that he shares tends to lead you to the cross and the resurrection. 
when Jesus is at the home with Nicodemus, and he says, for in, and this is that famous John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. John's writing that, and you know when John's writing that, he's going, it's, see, it's all about the cross and the resurrection and what that means for each one of us. And so for the last few weeks and for the weeks leading up to Easter, we've just gone, let's dive into what was Jesus thinking and what was Jesus saying in those days that led up to the cross. And so, so each one of us that are, that are preaching are just picking out different parts. We just go, man, that's, that's powerful that Jesus said that. And today we're going to look at, at, at one of the really important things that Jesus shared with us right near the end of his life. Now, this might rattle some cages. It's rattled my cage this week as I've, as I've been preparing it. And, and some of you might be going, man, you don't have to talk about that in church. Jesus, this was important to him. And so it's important to us to unpack it a little bit. And so let's, let's buckle in and, and uh, let's unpack a little bit of, of what was really important to Jesus in, right near the end of his life. Father, we pray that this morning you would, you would uh, help each one of us and Stuart led our, our production team and our worship team this morning, um, reminding us that we all carry heavy burden walking into this room. And I think that all of us hope that there, something will lighten it. God, I pray that in the, in the midst of looking into your word, we, there might be a, a little bit of lightening and, and, and for us to carry the burden a little bit less and for us to be able to see that you walk in with us. God, help us and, and that we would walk with hope in who you are um, in the time that we have with you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, here's how we want to get started. I want to go actually go back to the fire a little bit. Um, in the months leading up before the fire, in the months or years really for me leading up before the fire, I look out at our neighborhood and, I, and, I'm, and I'm going, you know, I, I, Mark and Barb live next door to us. We, we lived there for 22 years and Mark and Barb for 25. And so I knew them really well. And I knew across the street, we knew Ming really well and their family. And then, and then next to them, Lonnie, we knew that she's a single mom and we knew their family. And, and so we knew some of the people right near us. But then everybody else on Andrew Drive, Ajax Court, Bristol Street, we didn't know very well at all. And then the fire happened and 37 homes in our neighborhood went down. And what's happened since then is the neighborhood has rallied together. And they've come together under a very common, common theme. And that's, let's try to help each other get back on our feet. There's been an extreme amount of compassion. Nobody's asking what you believe or no one's asking who, do you, who did you vote for. No one's asking, uh, you know, what, what, where do you stand on this certain issue. They're just looking at each other and saying, we want to help each other get back on our feet. So we're gathering together. And we're talking through things like vetting builders. But we're also, you know, someone raised their hand and said, hey, can we just get together and just hear how each other are doing? And it's been beautiful. The neighborhood is coming together. And it's not just those that have lost homes. It's the ones that still have homes up. The neighborhood is coming together to say, let's help each other get back on our feet. I mean, just yesterday, Jackie and I were at our house just kind of looking at it again. It was a little more of a sad day because we're just looking at the grass starting to grow. And we're just going, man, I, I just want to grab my lawnmower and mow my grass. But, but we don't have that anymore. And so it was, it was a little bit harder. And, and Jitesh and his family came driving by. And, and they, they rolled down their window. And they're just, they just, we just talked for a little bit. And it was, it's beautiful. And it's, it's like, man, 
why wasn't this happening before the fire? I mean, why, why? We didn't know each other at all, and now we're coming together. And since then, I've been very reflective on that, on, on isn't that the way it's supposed to be across everything? Aren't we supposed to be coming more together than further apart? And then especially in the church, in, this, in these tumultuous seasons that we've been in over, I don't know, almost a decade now, isn't the church supposed to be coming together and then being that great aroma that is the aroma of Christ that, is, that is, this world is, is so desperately in need of? I started thinking more about that. I'm going, but you know what? I, I, I don't know. In my 30 years of vocational ministry, I don't know if I've ever seen the church more disunified than we are right now. How separated everybody is. You might go, no, that's not exactly true. Well, let me, I want to I just do this little exercise for you, okay? And I want you to, I'm just going to read off a list of stuff. Okay, get ready. <laughs> Strap in. I need to, I'm going to read off a list of stuff. And I just want you to think of the three or four things that are either the most important to you or the things that you find most appalling. So just think about those things as I, as I read this stuff off. Ready? The insurrection at the Capitol. Should I stop there? No, we'll keep going. The defunding of the police, violence in the big city, racism, critical race theory, cancel culture, our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters, Fox News, Biden, Trump, hypocrisy in the church and outside of it, liberal elites, $5 a gallon for gas, sheep, fascists, Socialism. I put this one on here for my friends. Insurance adjusters. <laughs> Dispensaries. Democrats. Masks on an airplane. American exceptionalism. The ugly church. Abortion. Supreme Court. CNN. Welfare. Republicans. Big government. QAnon. COVID, deep state, immigration, borders. Should I keep going? Now you might say, uh, that's not happening today. We're, not, we're, we're more unified than we were three or four years ago. Well, here's what I want to do. I'm going to have some people come forward, and they're going to bring, get, bring a card to each one of you guys, just a little note card. And they're going to bring a pen and, and a piece of tape. And here's what's going to happen. I want you guys to write down what the three things that you are most appalled with from the list that I wrote, okay? And I want you to write them down, and I want you to tape them to your forehead. And here's what we're going to do. I want to have you turn to your neighbor that you're not related to, and I want you to have a conversation with them for the next three minutes about those three topics, Okay, so come down with the, with the cards and the pens and the tape and let's start that. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do it. Man, if I was sitting there, you guys, I would have got up right then. In fact, I would not be, sitting, I, I would not be here right now if that that's, would be the case. We're not going to do that. But if we did, what would that conversation look like? You might say, but Bill, you're way, this is, this is, this is a sermon that you should have gave three years ago. We're, we're past that now. Are we, 
Or have we just learned how to separate well? When you go to a party and you know the, the predominant group of people at the party, is they, now you're going, you know what, I'm starting to feel a little sick to my stomach and you leave. Or you don't even go to the party because you know who's going to be there. We've learned how to separate relationships and, 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 and relatives. Shoot, people in your own home. We've learned how to separate if we're seeing things differently. Chris Sturgeon and I were talking about this and we were saying, man, I think we just keep, we're looking at each other and, and concluding the totality of that person based on one of these things in this, in this list. That's the totality of that person. And because of that, we even get to the point, if you're really being honest with yourself, that we just basically say, you're dead to me. You're over there. I'm going to just gather over here. We have done that in, with our social media, you know, and maybe you do that as self-preservation in social media because you're going, I can't stand reading the stuff that that person is posting. So we do that. We've been doing that, and we're learning really good how to separate out and go, I don't want the conflict, so I'm just going to eliminate the person from my life, Right? Are we doing that? Look, you guys, I'm not speaking. Don't, don't, I don't want you to take this as I'm judging you. I'm right there with you. This is what we've been doing. And we're doing it in the church. Shoot, you know somebody that thinks one way and you start sitting in a different spot in the room than them. And it's, it's not healthy. It, it's, it's not what the Lord wants. Oh, good. I really want our people separated. Jackie and Beth were listening to Beth Moore talk about, uh, about a, a passage that Paul writes about. And, she, and, the, and he says, and, and the, Beth Moore just said, we can do better. And, and she's right. We can do better. We need to do better. It's not working for us personally, and it's not working as a church as the big C church, it's not working. It's, it, something needs to happen. We can't just conclude that we've gone our separate ways and this is who they are and this is who I am. You guys, let me take you back to first century Palestine. When Jesus was about to go to the cross... He looked out over the landscape and he's going, look at all of the division. He looked out over the landscape of the people that knew him and professed a belief in him and said, look at, look at the, 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 they're swirling in these conversations. They're swirling. He knows that even within his 12, he's got a zealot that's fully against the Roman government and someone that worked for the Roman government as a tax collector among his 12. And he knows they are never going to see eye to eye on the stuff, but they can swirl here. He looks at his disciples and he looks at his friends and he's going, I know that some of them, I know that some of them still don't believe I should have gone to Samaria where there was a race of people that I didn't want to talk to, that they didn't want to talk to. He knows that he's, he knows there's some of them that have to be sitting back there going, I don't understand why we even had to go there. He's, he knows that some of them have to still have an opinion on the fact that he was honoring women as much as he was. 
And some of these dudes are sitting back there going, I, I don't understand why he gave that woman the time of day. Our culture would say that we shouldn't. And why did Jesus honor women as much as, they, as much as he did? He knows that those conversations are there. And one of them might be saying, well, I'm starting to understand why he was doing those things. And another one might be saying, I still don't get it at all. And now those guys can have this swirling conversation. And they can be living right there. And Jesus, he, he, just, he knows that that's the climate, that's where we're at. And in John 16, he starts writing, he's, John starts writing about what Jesus was thinking. At this time, he says, I've told you these things. Jesus says this to his disciples. I've told you these things all about my, my father's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and consistency and, and providence. I've told you about all these things about who my father is, and he says, to prepare you for rough times ahead. See, there's going to be hard stuff that you're going to be dealing with, pandemics and, and, and political unrest and, 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 and a fire that's going to rock a community. There's going to be all kinds of stuff, and then you're also dealing with all the things that you're swirling about, all the stuff that you're, that you're, that you're arguing over. All the stuff that, you're, that you're, you're frustrated with each other on. All the stuff that you're trying to win the argument. And not only just trying to win the argument, but almost even have revenge on somebody that have, it, that have their thoughts in a different place. You're swirling here. All this stuff is around you. I recognize that. And it's going to get harder because I'm not going to be here. And he starts telling them that he's not going to be here. And they don't understand that at all. What do you mean you're not going to be here? What do you mean you're leaving? And he's going, man, I'm not going to be here. He says, I know what will be here. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be here. But Jesus knows that as we swirl around in this stuff that we're talking and we're getting in the arguments about, we can start to ignore the very powerful, powerful presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can ignore that or be distracted by the, all the stuff that's going around and the arguing that's going on and the division that's happening. He knows that even later on, he even says they will be blessed if they put this into practice, knowing that some of them might not because of all the other things that are going on and the swirling that's happening. And we might lose what's the, the fact that the Holy Spirit is right there. He knows that he's about to go to the cross, and he knows that, that, that the power of the resurrection is about to happen that transforms lives. But he also knows the conversations can distract us even from the powerful work of the cross. And so in chapter 17, Jesus, we get, John gives us one of the most intimate moments in the entire Bible. You want to be a fly on the wall to know what Jesus was thinking in the days coming up to the cross? We get it because he gives us an entire prayer of Jesus a prayer between Jesus and his, and his dad. A prayer between Jesus and the father. And he is, he is letting him know, this is what's on my heart. And John gives us that. Listen to what he says in this prayer. I'm going to read a lot of this prayer to you guys. He says, Jesus says these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said. And grab hold of the intimacy of this days before the cross. Father, it's time. 
Display the bright splendor of your son so that the son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human so that he might give real and eternal life to all in his care. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on this earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. So he is looking at the cross that's about to happen. He's looking at the beatdown that's about to take place. He's looking at the death. He's looking at the weight of the sin of this world on his shoulders. And he's saying, now, now, God, glorify me as I have glorified you. And then he turns his attention to us. He says, I'm spell, I, I, I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. I showed them every bit of who you are. They were yours in the first place, and then you gave them to me. And they have now done what you said. They know now beyond the shadow of a doubt that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them, and they took it. And we're convinced that I came from you, that believe that you sent me, and I pray for them. I'm not praying for the God-rejecting world, but for those you gave me, for they are, they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours and yours mine. And now listen, you guys, to these next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words. The mission of, of every single one of us. And my life is on display in them. My life is on display in them. Jesus, before he goes to the cross, is thinking of you and me, and he's saying, my life is on display in you. In every one of your conversations, in every interaction you have with anybody, in the interactions we have with each other. My life is on display in you. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or an insurance guy or an accountant or a librarian. My life is on display in you. That's the greatest call you will ever receive. It is more important than your call to be a great husband or wife. It is more important than your call to be a great father or mother. It is more important than your call to be a great... All of those things are the result of my life is on display in you. And that's what he's praying right before he goes to the cross. And then he keeps going. Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in, the, in this world's hearing so that my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways, just as I didn't join the world's ways. I'm not asking you to take them out of this world. I'm not asking that they don't have opinions on this world. I'm not asking for that, but that you guard them from the evil one, where he can make that very opinion that you have the idol in your life. 
They are no more defined by this world than I'm defined by this world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in this world, I give them a mission in this world. And what is that mission? To put them on display. I'm consecrating myself for their sake so they be truth consecrated in their mission. I'm praying not, not only for them, but those who will believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become one heart and mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they might be one heart and mind with us. You guys, isn't it weird? He is not praying for endurance. He is not praying for courage. He's not praying for a knowledge so that when you have your swirling arguments, you will know more than everybody else. He is praying for unity. He knows how stinking valuable that is. And he's praying for unity. He says, then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. He's saying, see, I'm on display. It can't be about winning the argument. It can't be about your, your grudge. Or it can't be about your malice. And it can't be about our pride. And in a lot of ways, when we're swirling, it is our pride that's winning the conversation. And he's saying it can't be about those things. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so that they may be as unified and together as we are, I and them and you and me. Then they'll be mature in, the, in this oneness and give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way that you love me. What Jesus is saying to all of us is we need a new starting point. Our starting point can't be what we're swirling around with. It's not working and it's ugly. Our starting point can't be that this is who I am and this is the totality of who I am and so I've separated myself from everybody else and that person is dead to me and this person is alive with me because they agree with me. It can't be that either. The starting point has to be much deeper than, those, than all the swirling conversations. See, we got to remember this is three days before the cross. And Jesus is saying the starting point has to be the cross and the resurrection. That has to be the starting point. What he's saying is, is God sees us in our brokenness separated from him. And we are deeply broken. I am deeply broken. And I could live my life separated from him and die separated from him. But Jesus knows, man, I want to take all of that sin. I'm going to take that, that, that judgment. I'm going to take that on myself and die this death on the cross as a sacrifice for God's love for us. And he's going, the, the, the depth of our need for the cross and the resurrection has to be my starting point. My need for the cross. And then somebody else's starting point, their need for the cross. And when, when, it's, and when I recognize that depth, then who am I to judge you? I'm not here to judge you. Who am I to judge you? Or what? 
I am just in need of the cross, and so are you. And when we come to that conclusion, our Father sees us and says, and I, you are adopted as sons and daughters of the King. You're adopted as sons and daughters of the King. And if we are adopted as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, then what's that make us? Brothers and sisters. Jesus says this is the starting point. He's looking at each one of us saying, you are my brother. You are my sister. That's where I have to start. And he's saying, not only is it those that profess a belief in Jesus, but it's all this world that God says, for I love this world that I gave my son. I want you to see each one as your brother and each one as your sister. And I'm not talking just, hey, bro, okay. I'm talking your brother or your sister that is together through the connection that is the cross and our depth of our brokenness and the need of a savior. And I desperately need him and I want my brother to know him too. And I desperately need him, I want my sister to know him too. And then I want to interact from there. That's the starting point that he wants us to, that's where he wants us to start. And from there, as we love each other as brother and sister, then we live out the mission of God that says, put Jesus on display. From that place, put Jesus and the love that he has for this world on display. Jackie was, was listening to a to a podcast of a, of a priest, and, and, and it was, um, his name was Father Greg Boyd, and I love it, the Jesuit priest. It's like, it's bringing me back to my Catholic days. And, 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 and this priest, he said, I was looking back at the beginning of Acts where people were in such awe of the early church. They were in awe of people that so loved each other and, and, and took care of each other and watched out for each other. He says, the people were in awe of that. And, and this Jesuit priest says, it wasn't that they were just in awe that people were nice to each other. They were in awe of the vastness and the depth of God's love that met them at the cross that is the connection between this brother and this sister or this brother and this brother and this sister and this sister. The connection that's there, the depth and the, the vastness of the cross is what takes these two people and draws them together and that's what people were in awe of. That that was the starting point for these people. And in fact, this, this priest says this, the measure of our compassion lies not in our service of those on the margins, but our willingness to see ourselves in kinship. The depth of our compassion is not just that we're going to do some good things, but that we see that that person that I'm reaching out to is my brother. And that's the starting point that Jesus wants us to start at. 
Father Boyd said this, that I just thought, man, I could just leave it this and you guys write this down and you don't have to get anything else out of anything I say today. He says, how can we seek a compassion that can stand in awe at what people have to carry rather than stand in judgment for the way they carry it? Holy smokes, write that down. How can we see compassion that can stand in awe in what people have to carry rather than stand in judgment for the way they carry it? We stand in judgment for the way they carry it when we sit at the surface and swirl around together. When we start at the, at, the, at the cross and the resurrection and my need for it and your need for it and you're a brother and I'm a brother and you're a sister and I'm a sister, when we start there, then we start to go, man, I see what you're having to carry. And that's the beginning of loving each other, even in our differences. Here at Ascent, you guys, we've wanted to do that. We've wanted to meet people there, call each other brother and sister, start there, and, 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 then, and then reflect and put Jesus' love and life on display. And then from there, let's pull down a few of those things that we're swirling about. And let's talk about them. Let's just talk about them. But talk about them from a totally different perspective than how do you just win the argument. Talk about it from a different perspective than the, just the pride that we would have in what we know versus somebody else. And instead, talk about it from the brokenness of, of the, our, both of our needs for the Savior. One of those things that we have pulled down as a church is all around race and racial reconciliation. And I can honestly say that, that, that Maurice and Aisha, two of our teaching pastors, two, two teaching pastors that are black, in a predominantly white church, what we'd love to see continue to change, predominantly white church, that they have said, you're my brother and you're my sister. And I'm inviting you from this place of let's put God on display into conversation. Maurice is one of my closest friends. And he's taught me a lot. And for the first time really in my lifetime, I'm seeing what, what Father Boyd says. That can we stand in awe of what people have to carry rather than stand in judgment for the way they carry it? Maurice is teaching me what a black man in America carries. And I stand in awe of what they have to carry. That I didn't get taught in school, but I'm learning. But we're learning from a starting point. And then we build it out from there because we're brother and sister. Now you might say, but I don't want to be a brother or a sister to that person. Careful, you're going back to the surface again. Start there.
start. I'm in need of the cross, and so are you. I don't have... I don't have any more knowledge than you do in my need of the cross. I'm not any, any better off in some sort of moral place than you are in need of the cross. We stand there. We love there first. From that point, we join together and say, let's put Jesus on display. And let's have conversation as brother and sister around the things that we might still disagree with in the end. We still might disagree, but we're going to have conversation. That's the mission Jesus calls us to. It's so important that that, that was the, the primary contents of a prayer he gave days before he goes to the cross. I got to have our people living and walking in unity with each other under one common pretense, their need for the cross and the resurrection. And then will they put me on display after that? Because the whole world is watching and I have done this for the whole world. Father, I wanna pray today that that you would break down the, the walls of, of pride and even some of the conviction that we have, break that down, Lord. And because we, we just know that's our starting place. We know it is. And help us start someplace deeper. God, remind each one of us, this is fir- the starting point. Remind each one of us of our need for you and the cross. We are broken in need of a Savior that loves us and that sacrifices his life so that we can have life. And I pray from that life, we can turn to our brothers and sisters that are in that same place with great love and compassion. And that we can together say, let's put you on display. And when those conversations happen, God, May our hearts be open to learning and loving and growing together. And then, Lord, help us to live that out, what you said was most important. God, may be people then that from that place will feed somebody that's hungry. And from that place, we will clothe somebody that needs, that's naked. From that place, we'll give someone a drink that's thirsty. From that place, we will recognize those on the margins and and reach out because they're our brothers and our sisters. From that place, we will reflect your love first before any of our opinion. We will reflect your love God, we know the whole world is watching and God, help us to come together to represent you and your love for this world. It's in your name we pray, amen.